0: Okay, right, Um, today we're going to continue speaking on uh, righteousness by faith. I spoke about it last Sunday, and uh, just, um, you know, going back to basics, just a simple gospel of grace. Uh, What does it mean to be righteous by faith? Um, You know, uh, uh, when we look at the Old Testament law, we must realize that the people thought that the law would be able to justify them from their sin. Now, another word for justification, I never knew this, but I saw it in the Afrikaans Bible, is freedom to be set free. So, uh, you know, we can, we can read that. I'm just going to read the verse in English here, where it says, Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men unto condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came unto Unto all, um, upon all, unto the justification of life or the freedom of life, you know, in the Afrikaans there. So we can be set free by what Jesus Christ has done for us. So justification is actually the application of righteousness. Righteousness, uh, you know, we can see it as the right unto or to be holy so that you qualify for what Christ has come to give us. Now, um, the Old Testament people believed that the law could set them free from their sin. But it has been proven over and over that the law cannot set you free from your sin. At the end of the day, the whole thing was about having God's quality of life. It was not about, are you under the law or are you under grace? That's not what, it, what the gospel is actually about. The gospel is about how we... Um, how we experience life. And He wants us to experience His quality of life. You know, I'm, I'm writing a book on finances at the moment and um, in one of the chapters I'm talking just about the Trinity and our relationship with, a, w- with God. And realized, and I have put this thing on Facebook as well, you know, that just like my dog cannot have and cannot share in my quality of life, doesn't matter how much he obeys me, and if I tell my dog sit and he sits and I tell my dog, lay down," and he does, even if, even if he can roll on the ground, even if he can sleep on the couch, even if he can sleep on my bed, he will never be able to share in my quality of life. Doesn't matter how much I love him, doesn't matter what I buy for him, even if it's full at stake every day, he can never share in my quality of life in the very same way with us and God. You know, unless we are—and I first want to say this—the reason why he cannot share my quality of life is because we are not of the same kind. He lives in dog; he lives and moves and has his being in dog, and I live and move and have my being in human—or actually, uh, what the Bible says in Acts 17, I live and move and have my being in Him, in God. We are in the God level, and He's in the animal level, and. Doesn't matter how much I show love towards an animal, an animal cannot share in my quality of life. Um, in the very same way, God has come to come so that we can have His quality of life. And as long as what we have a mentality that we are not the same kind, that we are not the God kind, and that we are different kind of beings, different species, uh, you will from that mentality will blind you to the point that. Doesn't matter how much God bless you, doesn't matter how much love He shows you, doesn't matter what amount of obedience you show him, you will never enter into what God really intended for you. Paul says it this way. He says, "Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. It's not about law or grace. What it is all about at the end of the day is to have His quality of life. And grace is the only way that can bring you to that point. Amen. At the end of the day, I can be a grace believer, um, you know, and I can believe in the grace of God. But I should make my life available that, and have the expectation that this grace will manifest true peace in my heart. That this grace will, what the law could never set me free from, can set me free from. And this is what the Bible says in Acts 13, verse 38. He says, Whatever the law could not justify us from, you know, Christ came and justified us. And that word justify means to treat according to your righteousness, which also means to set free. The law could never set you free from stinginess. The law could never set you free from hating people. The law could never set you free from thinking you're better than others. The law could never have you think of God as somebody that you, uh, uh, that's, it's, it's almost hard to say, but that is your equal. You know, he, we, are li- we are in His image and in His likeness. On, on the level of design, we are the God kind. You know, the law could never bring you to that point and that understanding. Uh, only the message of God's influence in man because of him taking a human and putting a human in the Trinity is the only power that can give you that true quality of life. There is nothing else but the grace of God that can do that. I'm going to read Romans five seventeen. We did read it last time. We're just going to go through some of the stuff that I read last Sunday and then some new stuff today. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace... And the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. So what he says here is that um, death reigned through Adam, you know, in our lives. In the lives of people, death reigned. But here it says that through this abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we will reign in life. In other words, the life that God came, I mean there's different views of looking at this, but the life that God gave us, The kind of life He gave us. The life where we don't live with sin consciousness. The life where we live with a consciousness of our union with Him. We will reign in that life. How will we reign? The reign we will have is we will see a conquering of everything that was killing us. We will conquer that. We will live in true peace. We will really start to think better about ourselves, better about others. You know, if I look at the grace message um, and what it's done to me, it made, made me think different about everybody on the planet. I don't see Jew and Gentile anymore. I don't see live in the realm of us and them in the sense of, you know, I'm a Christian and I'm God's people, and then the person that does not believe, he's the children of the devil. I see the human race as the one that was paid for. I see the human race as the one that was forgiven. And then in this state, I see people that don't believe it and don't have a life born from what Christ has done for them. And it empowers me to preach the gospel to people. Uh, when, uh, even you know, yesterday, I, there was a guy who um, was driving up the road where we stay and he's, he's got this souped up golf. You know? That thing is so fast. You know? It's faster than some V8 cars. And the thing came up there and I, he was, I can understand it in Afrikaans. Yeah. He comes up there, you know. And the first thing I do is I stop my car and jumped out and stopped the guy. I said, Sir, my kids play in this road yeah. You're going to kill somebody. You know, please, find another place to do this. Not here. Where my kids go to school and not here. You know, now, even when he did that, when he drove away there, you know, I felt not this crazy fool. That was not what was in my mind. I was thinking, this guy just finds his identity in speed. That's all it is. And he is bound to a law system. So, in that way of thinking, I've already separated him from what he does. And that means forgiveness. So I've always walked in forgiveness and I could never connect him to what he's done. And that always put that that places me, puts me in a place where I can always reach out to him and speak to him in a way wherein he can really be set free. You know, so this grace message has empowered me to a completely new way of thinking. Um, it, it makes you feel different about yourself it makes, me, makes you feel different about others so when we were under the system where you found your identity and who you are in what you do you, um, you were bound but Christ came to set us free that we can really be free effortlessly you know, under the old system we were all f- striving for freedom but under grace Christ sets you free by His power and it's effortless from your side. All you do is you open yourself up to this truth, right. Um, therefore, by, one of, by the offense of one sorry, therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men, unto condemnation, even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto the justification of life. So this free gift of righteousness, unto whom did it come upon all men? unto all men was this gift of righteousness given and this gift of righteousness is unto all men and those who believe it they are justified they are set free by the power of the life of Christ so um, and I want to say for people watching via the internet as well um, you know it, it is there's a scripture in the Bible that says there are those that say that grace is a license to sin ok Now, that scripture talks about people in Jude. It talks about people that crept in unaware into the church. Okay? Crept in unaware into the church. They were legalists that did not believe in the grace message. And then they came and they preached and said, the only way you can be set free from sin is by obeying the law. And should you believe in the grace message, you can never be set free from bondage. And they preached that grace is licentiousness, or a license to sin. So Paul uh, uh, Jude comes and he writes and he says, I want to write to you, there are people that are teaching that grace is a license to sin. It doesn't talk about the grace person. It talks about the legalist that says, should a person go into the grace message, he will not be able to be set free, he will not be able to live a holy life. That's what it actually talks about. You know, and we read that and we heard that, those of you that know what's going on on the web, you know, and we as people in grace start to doubt the gospel. And here the gospel clearly states that we, through the message of righteousness as a free gift and abundance of grace, shall have a life wherein we reign in life, where His life is my reign over everything that was destroying me, over every negative thing that was uh, uh, killing me, over, I mean, even if, if you look at marriage, if, if you've got marital problems, the only thing that can sort that out is abundance of grace in the hearts of both parties. If both people can humble themselves and receive abundance of grace, abundance of a divine influence upon your heart because of God's mercy and His kindness and His goodness towards you, when you see how He values you, how He cares for you, and you can see this not only directed to an individual, but towards every person, you'll find that your, uh, 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 your husband or your wife, the one you're married to, God values Him equally and your heart will change and from, your, from the inside, from the depth of your being, you will find a new way of thinking, a new way of talking, uh, pride disappear, all because of the resurrection power of Christ and not your doing, but Christ. So, grace is definitely not the power unto sin, it is the power unto a free life free from the bondage of legalism and its effects. The license to a life of destruction is legalism. You know, um, a friend of mine uh, uh, on Facebook said something that was very um, good. He said, the law is like going to a doctor, you know, and he takes a sonar and he looks at at your you know, stomach or whatever, or liver or whatever, and he finds what's wrong there, and he can diagnose the problem. But once you've diagnosed something, it doesn't heal you. A diagnosis you Okay? It's, it just tells you what's wrong. And the same with the law. The law can never heal you. It can just tell you what's wrong. That's all it is. It's like an x-ray. An x-ray can show you you know what bone is broken. But it can never heal you. And you can go for x-ray upon x-ray upon x-ray, and all the x-ray will do is what it was designed for, is to show your brokenness, and your inability, and your fault. That's all it's there for. And once we've seen our fault, now we need to get to the medicine. That which can heal us, or that which can bring forth healing in us which is then the love, grace and mercy of God, wherein we, through a new belief, believe in something that is already true, which is our union with God in Christ. And as we start to believe this new thing, which is my sins has been taken away, I have been forgiven, I have been set free, then I find the power of that truth giving birth to God's quality of life In me. With this truth in mind, I love to study the scripture and I love to think about about the things of God and like to talk about the things of God, for it brings forth this new life in me. My mind wants to, it just naturally revolves around this truth because of what God has done for us. So know this. Jesus Christ came and He brought mercy and through that mercy He gave everybody righteousness and then as we believe and this is I preached on the righteousness of faith last Sunday as we believe this faith that we have is accounted to us for righteousness and then by that we've got access into what He has done and what He has done brings forth a new life in us. That is the way it it works. And that is what is done for us. Romans 5 verse 19 For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. You know I I went uh, and um, spoke to a pastor and had actually a wonderful conversation with him. You know I like it when when grace brings forth God's character in you and you can go and sit with a pastor that doesn't believe what you believe and you can just have just a, a, a professional conversation with a guy you know and we can talk about our differences and just fellowship around certain things and um, what the guy basically said to me he said to me unless you repent with tears you basically cannot be saved you know and um, I said to him <clears throat> but the Bible says and Christ was preached and there was great joy in the city not a lot of tears great joy People, you know, when, when good news is preached, people don't cry. You know, there might be cry, a, a tears of joy, yes, but not tears of remorse. Tears of joy, remorse saves nobody. Belief in Christ and the revelation that he, uh, of what He's done gives you access to His saving power. And then, as He has saved mankind from legalism, now in our belief we experience salvation and we are then saved the moment we believed. Or believe from what binds us that, that's it so I was sharing with with him and I, I came to this verse I said to him have you ever thought about um, the fact that one could one man Adam made everybody a sinner and traditionally we believe that through the disobedience of one we all became sinners he says no it's not just traditionally believed it is a fact you know, in quoted the verse I said, but the Bible also says that through the obedience of one, we shall be made righteous. What do you say about that? He said, I, he, this is what he said to me. He said, I refuse to even think along those lines, or it's dangerous. <laughs> you know, now, now I, I can understand it. It's the first time he, um, he, he, he heard this ever in his life, you know. So, and he's a really humble guy, so I will definitely see him again. I saw a missed call on my phone just after my preach on Craig- cake last night so maybe you want to talk about something so um, we will definitely spe- speak to each other again but you know we, in our heart we, we've, traditionally we've come to a place where we believe that the law and our, my, my effort can bring forth a righteousness unto justification meaning I'll, if I stop to sin then sin will lose its power over me That's actually what the law people believed. If you stop to sin, sin will never lose its power over you. The only way sin can lose its power over you is if Christ fulfilled it and ended it and then because sin has lost its power over you, you don't sin anymore. That is the way it works. That is what God has done for us. Now, The second thing what what happened was when we heard the message of grace is that God at least is not angry with me when I do something wrong or when something wrong manifests in my life, which is true. Glory to God. But I found it very frustrating to always struggle with something in my life even if God's not angry with me. You know, um, if I try to fix something or say I'm at home and I want to weld something now you've got two pieces of iron and now you must keep these two pieces of iron together and now you must weld this thing now the moment you leave this one you can't take the welding rod and weld these two things together because it falls to the ground so now you must try and build something around it and whatever and you get frustrated you know I remember starting a business years ago and, um, and uh, doing burglar proofing. I just welded burglar bars, put it up for a school and the whole thing. Got some nice contracts and stuff. But because I had nothing, I couldn't pay somebody to help me to do the job. You start with nothing. So it's you and my father-in-law gave me a welder. So now, at now I mean, I, I, my, my dad taught me how to weld so, um, so I could weld. So I start do this. And it was so frustrating to weld those little round bars you know, that rolls around on the table where you want to weld them. And you just need somebody to just hold it there. You know, and eventually I built a jig to put the thing in and weld it and whatever. You learn with time. But my, my wife, Helena, was not angry with me when I was struggling there. But the fact that she wasn't angry with me didn't end my frustration. You see, in the very same way with God, the fact that God's not angry with us, should we uh, sin doesn't, or live a life where you say, God, this is not me, this is not who I am, does not take away your frustration, the fact that God's not angry. The fact that God's not angry just gives you, makes your, opens your heart to go to Him with boldness so that His love and the wisdom that He has about who you are and what you are can set you free from that. You know, I was um, speaking to somebody about jobs, you know, and um, I realized that if your identity is not in what you do, you can do any job. Listen to what I say. If your identity it's not in what you do. You can do any job. You can watch cars. You can do it. If your identity is not in what you do. It's simple. Now one of my friends, his father, was um, was caught for molesting children and uh, went to jail, came out and had nothing. You know, nothing. Where will he ever find a job? And you uh, went and watched cars at the parking lot and made 17,000 rand a month nice income between seventy and 20 every month bought a nice Mercedes Benz parked it four blocks away and walked you know but he lost everything he lost all his dignity all his worth and because of a place where he was so low where he felt nothing in himself about himself he just felt that this thing happened and you know, most of the time when people that do those things, it happened to them, and it was just a whole bad situation, you know, and he can't forgive himself, he lives in this, in this absolute despair, I'm such a nothing, let me just go and, you know, look after cars, be a security god. and then people out of the mercy, give me a two rand and a five rand, you know, and I'm just a nothing, you know, and because of his belief that he's a nothing, he could do something that was classified as a nothing, but when you are in true grace, you can do anything. You can speak to the richest person. You can speak to the poorest person. You can drive a nice car. You can drive an old car. You can, because you, ha- you know your right unto life. And in that life, you reign with true joy and true righteousness. You know, let me give you another example of, of righteousness and what it's done for me. Um, you know, when I, when I received Jesus. <clears throat> In 1989, I was just on fire with the gospel. I remember going to church and I said to God, God, if I look at what church is, church has to be something, true Christianity has to be something different to what I am beholding. Now I was either not understanding it or what I saw was not the right thing. And I said, if I'm ever a Christian, I want to be a Christian that's close to God, where I see life. And I could never see it in church. Eventually I fell away from Christianity and uh, started to look at Eastern religions and meditations and those kind of things. And um, then, to make a long story short, Jan Devet came, preached at a school there. I went to the outreach and he preached and said, you can be different than the normal Christian. You can be a dynamic Christian. Okay, And he talked about a true relationship with God. I received that life, I believed in it, I never prayed the sinner's prayer, all I did was I said, God, you know, I don't know about these people here, if they're serious, but I'm serious, amen. And in one moment I was changed. My swearing stopped, everything in my life changed, I was changed, I became a new person in one day. I was born from that truth. You know, I was born again that's what happened to me and I started to preach the gospel and as I preached the gospel I I didn't see rich and poor I didn't see black and white I didn't see school teacher or school kid I just wanted to share this awesome truth with everybody went to the army That was just the same thing all the time went to Bible school university Bible school in Bible school this is how the big downfall came Um, A person came and said that um, God wants you stinking rich and um, you know that money is not evil because money is not evil the love of money is the root of all evil And I always thought money is evil so I thought you know I should just not have a lot of money because if I have a lot of money I'm gonna be in trouble you know and then I heard a preacher on television say no no it's not money that's evil but it is the love of money that's evil and I thought aha and then he said God wants you very very rich you know and you must now um, and, and he died that you can be so rich so, so if you don't go after this riches you are actually spitting upon his sacrifice you know so this passionate person that I was then and I'm still passionate in a different way now but this passionate person that I was I was saying well I'll do anything that God wants I don't, I'm not going to disappoint him I'm going to now want this riches And all of a sudden, I saw rich and poor people, which I never saw before. All of a sudden, I had respect for the rich. The passion that I have, you know, for, for, um, the passion that I would have for the poor, diminished a little bit. You know, it's like, they're not really there. They're not understand Poor Christian, is there something wrong, you know? There's something wrong. And then I didn't become rich, and then, this one guy came and he preached at our church and he taught on tithing. And then I thought, what, what I would normally do with my money is, I would give to the poor and use it for outreach, the little that I had. And then this guy came and he said, you know, the tithe belongs to God, you must give your money to, to, first to the church and then what's on top of that you can use for yourself. I went and repented, asked God for forgiveness for taking my money and using it to do outreach and to give it to the poor. And then I realized that this loving father that always loved me could actually curse me. Which I never knew. I never knew that. I read it now in Malachi 3. You are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me. And all of a sudden, my, 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 my Abba died. My father, the one that I love and the one that loves me the one from where you know all this excitement and joy and passion for people was born it's just gone and it was all about rules and regulations and uh, tithing sowing and reaping and and all those kind of things that came to my life you know and I have thought that I could be set free from poverty by something I do And the more I did and gave, the more I found I could not be set free from it. And to make a long story short, God came to me, set me free and told me that I fully qualify for everything that He ever promised by the finished work of Jesus Christ. The first thing that happened to me was I became content. Happy with what I have. It's the greatest gift. You know, if you could buy it at Checkers and give it to somebody and it cost a million and you could do it, invest everything you have to get that and gift every one of your kids with it. Gift every one of your children with it that they can have contentment in their life because from that contentment out of the revelation of who He truly is who you truly are you find a platform from where you can reason the way God reasons about you business your friends your family and everything glory to God you know um, so what righteousness does and the, the gift of righteousness and knowing that I fully qualify free from my work is it brings forth a brand new way of thinking a brand new life I was set free from the hurt that came to my life I was set free from all those kind of things the hurt that came through the wrong understanding on finances um, you know and I was completely set free by knowing that I fully qualify because of Him that He promised me and this is righteous uh, uh, faith true faith is when he has promised to say that even if I don't qualify by the law because he's promised he can bless somebody that doesn't even qualify according to the law for he has set me free from everything that disqualifies me I fully qualify and I'm not going to now make what he promised manifest I'm going to wait for him to bring it forth this is Romans 4 about Abraham God came Promised Abraham, he promised Abraham long before he was circumcised or any of those kind of things. He promised Abraham. Abraham took the promise, believed the promise. When he believed that God could take somebody that doesn't have the ability to produce his own children because of the deadness of Sarah's womb, he said, Well, I'm dead. I cannot produce fruit. It's impossible for me to produce fruit. I can never have my own fruit here. But He promised that He will bring forth fruit in me. When you believe that, the Bible says in Romans five that that, or Romans 4 verse 5, that that faith is accounted to you for righteousness, what that means is, you have done the right thing. If you can believe that I cannot produce anything by anything I do, but I am barren, but He will bring forth fruit in this barrenness by His doing alone, That faith is accounted to you for righteousness. Right. Let us just quickly look at the law here. Um, Romans 3 verse 19. Sorry. Romans 5 verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life, By Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, what I'm going to say is a bit technical, but please hear what I'm saying. Sin reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life. So, God gives righteousness as a free gift to everybody. The person that believes it You know, his faith is accounted to him for righteousness or he has got access into grace. And then God, because he brought righteousness to everyone as a free gift and you have the right unto eternal life, come and brings forth that life in you. Let me read it again. It says here, Even so might might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ. So what he's saying here is, God came, gave a righteousness, the ticket to to eternal life to everybody. Those who make use of that ticket, what happens to them? God brings what the ticket promised forth in His life by, not His willpower, but by Jesus Christ. Now, this is something we've heard many times in this church, but I want to say this. We, you as an individual, make yourself available for that. Have your expectation that that shall manifest in my life and that it is for me yes Lord I've seen a change in how I think about finances I've seen a change in what I think about how you feel about me should I do something wrong yes Lord I do see you bear forth bring forth fruit in my life in this area and that area but I'm also available for you to have fruit in any other area where you feel that you need to see his fruit make that available say you know I live by fear, you know, maybe you struggle with fear, f- fear for something or whatever, or you don't know, you think of your, let's, let, let's use myself for an example. When Aubrey now um, is in his final school here, next year he, he's going to study something or whatever, he doesn't know what he wants to do. So because he doesn't know what to do, I don't know what to do. If he knew, I knew. But now he doesn't know. So we take him for some tests and stuff, and, they, and, and um, what I expected they are going to say, they said, okay, he must become a civil engineer or something like that, and that will be now good for him, for his personality type and everything. That was what he was thinking of as well. You know, and, and um, you sit with this, with, with this thing, okay, he's going to go to university. If he goes to university, obviously he needs a car. If he goes to university, he's, um, we, we don't, I mean it's going to be expensive where he stays and all these kind of things, you know, start to get to your mind and then what he wants to do is maybe a four or five year course and by that time my second one is in university and that's expensive. So you want this fear, you, not, not you want, what happens is fear wants to grab your mind through the cognitive thinking and the cognitive way of thinking about things. But when I went and just said, Lord, you know, when I feel this arise in my heart, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to sit down and you just speak to me. Just speak to me. And I am now waiting and I make my members, my life available for you to bear the fruit of peace in this area in my life. I'm not going to now quote four verses and decide to have peace. That's rubbish. That's as long as what you decide. But once peace is born in you, you find that you are truly at peace about the whole situation. And I know that I will testify from this pulpit in years from now how everything worked out perfectly. Amen. I know it. It is not just a knowing in the mind. It is a, 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 it is a knowing that's born from something inside me and I can say that the peace that I have now is born from God for I have been made righteous meaning I am fully qualified to be justified or set free from this emotion that is torturing me and you guys know the whole episode of things that that, that came up to this normally I would not even stress about something like that but because my one car caught fire the other one was hijacked then the computer broke then the book can't get printed and everything goes wrong and now you even sit now with this, you find all this information that you're hearing, all these things that's bombarding your mind, actually forcing you to start to think in a legalistic way, starting to bear its fruit in you. And you just say, no, I'm just going to sit back, I've got the right, as every human, the right Jesus has, which is His righteousness, to have peace I qualify for and I'm going to sit back and I'm going to let him speak his truth and what he believes for by the faith of Jesus what he believes and what I'm allowed to believe because of what he's done he shall bring forth his fruit in me and then you find true peace come to your mind and your heart Amen but we make ourselves available for that it's not going to happen um, outside of the parameters of relationship, it's not going to happen outside of the parameters of relationship because God is a relationship orientated being, He's a being that functions from the platform of relationship, you know. He, and now, with us, he, he brings everything to us, He makes us known to us, and then as a husband and a wife decide together to do something, God comes to us and He says, let me bring forth fruit in you and then you say yes like he said in the beginning let us make man that let us wasn't I mean he says let us it's like me saying to Eliana and the kids let us go on holiday what I'm saying by that is I'm coming with a wonderful idea and I'm actually asking them if it's okay with them and if they can flow with my plan let us you know, go on holiday. And the same God says, "Let me bring forth fruit." Then you say, "Yes, okay, I'm available for that, and I've got an expectation that you shall bring that forth in my life." Uh, verse, uh, Romans six, verse, verse one. It says, "What shall we say? Then shall we continue in sin, that grace may abound?" God forbid. How shall we, that are dead to sin, live any longer therein? Now, the moment you are persuaded of righteousness as a free gift, what he talks about here is, and this is what he says, he says, shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Now, I've said this before, but let me explain that abounding there. It says, the law entered that sin might abound. This is chapter 5 verse 20. The law entered that sin might abound. Now that we are under the grace system, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Let me just read the whole of verse 20 there. Moreover, the law entered that sin might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So, abounding grace was in the presence of abounding sin. And abounding sin was in the presence of the law. So the law was given so that sin can abound. And where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Now, chapter 6 is 1. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So what is he saying? Now that we are under grace, are we still continuing with the law system where we say, I, I embrace the law, sin abounds and grace abounds? No, no. He says no. Now that the system has been changed and the law was taken away, you cannot have the expectation you had under the law anymore. The expectation we have now is the expectation of His life manifesting in me. Glory to God. And I like what it says there. It says in verse 2, God forbids. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein. Now that verse has has, has really condemned so many people because we thought, well, now that I'm under grace, now I better live right. No, no. If you think of it that way, you are continuing in chapter 5. What he's saying here is that when grace came, the legalistic system died. And when we can have the revelation that the law and human willpower had had its fruit in death and in frustration and in the fruit of of the flesh, if we can know that that death that was died there was our death and our connection to it that we can now be connected to His life and His life shall bring forth fruit in us. This is what He's trying to say here. These people didn't understand this. He says, when you are under grace, God forbids sin. God forbids it. The word forbid there means to stop or to cease it to exist. So when I'm in grace and under the message of His unconditional love, then He's the new nature, the new being, help it down, the new being and everything is all about Him bringing forth His fruit in us and Him resisting the sin. Now how can God resist sin in you? It's like, man, um, I want a good example now. Let me think of something. If, if I, let's, let's take an animal, you know. If I think of, I think of a komkomer, cucumber. There's something in my dog that forces him not to eat that. He doesn't like cucumber. He eats meat. His very nature, his being, stops him it's not logic anymore to him it's it's, it's not part of his logic it's not part of his design it's not part of his nature anymore to eat that in the very same way, when we can see that the law man has died, my effort to, righteous, to righteousness has died, I became a new kind of a being in, the, in, in, in this righteousness as a free gift and all those kind of things. When this truth settles in our hearts, we find that the nature of God inside us resists stuff. It's not me resisting it. It's not me making a quality decision. The only quality decision you can ever make is to believe this truth. Like I put on Facebook there, the gospel is not about your obedience to God or God's provision to you. It's about a good relationship with Him. If you reason from the platform of animal, like uh, uh, my, my dog and me, he will think it's all about You know, doing everything right for the boss so the boss can give him a piece of meat at the end of the day God didn't have you so that he could have obedient children what he wanted was the reason he had you so that you can share in his quality of life and the only obedience that you can really have towards God is to believe what he says about you and who he is and what you are that is it From there you have a relationship and from the relationship God can work things in your heart and you live what is in your heart. Know you not that to to as many as were baptized into Christ were baptized into His death. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now let me explain that. That verse can be read as, well, since you died with Jesus, now you should walk in newness of life, so get busy with it. That's not what the verse says. Let us read the verse. It says, Therefore we are buried with Him in baptism um, into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead, how? By the glory of the Father. Jesus was raised up from the dead, by the glory of the father, so that we can now and so that we should walk in newness of life as he was raised. so how will you have newness of life? You will be raised into newness of life by the glory of the Father. Now what is the glory of the father the, the, the glory of the father, what glory? literally means, according to Thayer's definition, a view and an opinion. The view and the opinion, Jesus had a certain view and an opinion of the Father and of Himself. And He was raised from the dead based on the view and opinion, the Father of who His Father was and what His Father has done. What will raise you from the dead is the power of the Holy Spirit inside the view and opinion you have of who the Father is and what is done for you in Jesus Christ. That is how we ought to walk in newness of life. You're not to walk in newness of life because you are feeling it's God's command towards you. We have come to the righteousness of faith, where we are persuaded that God brought righteousness to every one of us so that we can be justified and be set free by the glory or the very goodness of God. Another meaning for the word glory is the goodness of God. The view and opinion that we have about Him is based on how good He is. For us, So the only way you can be set free from fear is by having a view and opinion on how good God is and how loving He is, how caring He is and what kind of being He is and how He has invited you to this wonderful life. You know, let me end off with this. Years ago, when I thought of God and God before creation... I didn't know how to picture God. Have you ever thought of God? I mean, before the earth was made, before heaven and earth was made, what did He do? How did He live? You know, now, this was my, maybe my engineering brain, whatever. I thought of this almost like a monotone God. You know, it was in heaven. He was like a light. He had a form of a man but he was floating in space, looking in front of him, living in the solitude of himself. I could only describe him with words that would be words like lonely, separated, um, unapproachable, uh, uh, everything but human. That's how I thought about God. And then, I thought about this God came and made a heaven and an earth and put me on this earth. And then this God manifested Himself in a human to save me from sins. But never in my my subconscious mind have I made the... he, He was always that God. Only now in human form. But what if the picture of that God is three people... Sitting around a kitchen table, playing cards, having fun, laughing, cracking some jokes, having respect for each other. The best family life you can ever imagine. Imagine that was the God before time. And He now became human and invites you into that life. Then everything changes. <laughs> everything changes because all of a sudden he is a relationship orientated being with whom you can relate because how do you relate to a God that floats in space? Like sitting next to an alien, how do you relate to him? It's impossible. So when it comes to righteousness by faith, what God has come to do for man is he has come to bring something forth that we could believe that could give us access into his kind of a life so that we can share in his life by him living his life in us and why would we make ourselves available for anything less than God's quality of life it is given to us on the platter for free how many uh, 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 parables that Jesus not tell. The parable of the wedding feast. I mean, everything is there. You are just invited. That's it. Just come and eat. Everything Jesus did, you know, was all about the shepherd caring for the sheep, the father caring for the sons. It was all about what he does and what he came to give. For those of you also watching via the internet. Let us make ourselves available for righteousness by faith, wherein this righteousness will have its end in eternal life, which starts today, wherein we, from this platform of grace, can enjoy the bliss of knowing Him and knowing ourselves as we have always been known. God was never confused about your frame, about your design, about who you are. We got confused and Adam implemented a system in his confusion and walking after what even Satan and the whole thing brought in there and brought forth so much death but Christ ended that system, brought a new reality and now we can believe upon that expecting what God always has desired for us. You know, I, I looked, there's, there's a group of people now starting, um, so that it's basically a group, and, and it's really growing, you know, uh, on the web as well, where people are just walking in rebellion against the law. Where it's all about seeing how much they can swear and cuss on, you know, on public platforms, you know, because we are under grace. My goodness. <laughs> the one guy, excuse me, he said this, I'm having a bad day. Can somebody just give me an F you that I can feel better about myself? And then you get ten guys coming using profanity, swearing the life out of this guy. You know, cursing, cussing. That is not grace. It, it is not grace that is the law it's it's a disgrace Yeah, it's a disgrace it's not grace so I had to go onto that platform and write something obviously you know I just said that um, I think I said the rebellion against the law manifested here makes your life less makes the people's lives less and less attractive because I don't desire that life I don't desire a life where I've got to tell somebody give me a good F you that I can feel better about myself if an F you makes you feel better about yourself then you really feel bad <laughs> sorry for saying things like this in church but this is what's happening you know. and I want to just say that we don't have to and what, what, what happens is we don't have to try and swing the pendulum back by using law to counteract what these guys are doing I'm not going to implement law to counteract what these guys are doing in the blindness of their minds and how the enemy has blinded them in the name of grace for it has never been grace it is not extreme grace it is not grace at all it is the end of the law the law is the power unto sin the Bible says so when we see that we don't look for grace in it we look for the law and we stick with a simple message of grace and I want to say to some preachers that might have seen that that's going on on the web don't now become so afraid that you are now going to say oh my goodness I'm so so afraid that I am associated with a grace message because I found some weirdos using the name grace and now I don't want to be associated with them let them do whatever they want to do you can't stop them just make sure you don't change from the true grace message and don't be afraid to use the word grace and don't be afraid to be radical in the grace message for look at the beauty that grace will produce in people and all the enemy wants is he wants pastors to be scared of being associated with grace because of some of these weirdos. We stick with the truth. We stay with this message. We're not going to bring in you must take up your responsibility. You must do this. You must do that. We're going to stick with the message of God brought forth His Son ended all death and sin and all guilt that man ever was under brought, a, brought forth a platform of innocence which we can declare to every human being so they can be born from that truth and have God's quality of life and we shall preach that or anyway I will preach that until Jesus comes by the grace of God Amen, Amen. we're not going to be you know it's either extreme law you know or people go and many enemy goes manifest the law in another way and now I want to call that grace as a church we are available for God's quality of life i want to be i want to see the i don't want to say i want to be happier than ever i want to see his joy manifest in my life every day as it is and more I want to be consumed by that joy. I want to be consumed by His generosity. I want to consume that. And the only way it can happen is if He consumes me. And the only way it can be is me saying, Lord, I'm available for it, for I fully qualify. I'm righteous by faith and not by works. And now I've got access into Your grace, which will bring forth eternal life in me. Amen. Father, every person here and every person watching via the web is so precious. they are so beautiful, they are so wonderfully made. Lord, if I think of louis Giglio and and the whole video he made about how wonderful the the human body is made, and laminin with a cross you know that that's just that thing in our body that keeps everything together it's wonderful but Lord I want to thank you that who we are is not even contained in that our design is contained in the fact that we understand family relationship that we have the ability to believe and trust that we have the ability to know that we can be known that we that we are fully your kind and function like you and that's where the beauty comes in because I'm sure we'll also find such a a laminate maybe in an animal or we'll find how the eye is made in animals as well but what makes us different, Father is that we can understand God and live and move and have our being in God and this is my prayer for everyone that listens to me all over the world and everybody that is here. Father, I include myself in this prayer. May we understand the dimensions of your love, of your agape, of how you stand in awe of what you have made. Lord, of this joy that's in you because you behold beauty, that we can see the dimensions of your love and in that understand the dimensions of who you are, who we are, for your word says, there, then we will be filled with the fullness of God. Father, this congregation, my life, everybody that watches life, we st- I stand in front of you and I say, Father, thank you. We are available to know you.